I don't know if you've noticed it, but I it is kind of cool seeing the Give Us the Dirt logo in play. Are you seeing it? I, like I, I drive around on the job sites and I'll see stickers uh, on yeah, the hard hats. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, like I walked that. into yeah. the estimator's office the other day and it was a screensaver. It was the so I mean the people are proud of the brand. That's good. That's good. We need to. We need to. We need more people listening to it. We need more people subscribing to it. We 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 gonna we gonna. I need to. I need to be hiring security. I'm looking at. I'm looking into hiring some security. So. Um, yeah. I'll let the last ones go. You actually, you are my security. Well, yeah, so I, I, I don't have that. to hire anybody. There you you might have to, I but you. I don't. I need to get somebody to watch me. Yeah. I didn't yeah. tell you this, but we actually had someone. We we may have a sponsor for the podcast. Really? Yep. I can't tell you the name of it, but it's a hydration company. But they've they've shown interest in being a sponsor of the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. That'd be cool. It's not. It's not. It's not Bud Light. It's actual hydration. Okay. Not dehydration. Oh, okay. Okay. But we've got there is a sponsor opportunity out there. Which, to your point, that's I mean, that's, that's good. And it's not Tito's. It's not Tito's. Oh, okay. Not Tito's. Okay. We need uh, we need a shoe spot. If I could get Mr. Jordan, if you are sitting on your yacht right now listening to the Give Us a Dirt podcast, the plead, we would love for you to sponsor sponsor us, and I will wear your shoes, your brand, every episode. I do it already, but I'd li- I need some new ones. And if you could come out with a uh, here we go, a pair of Jordan steel toed boots. I think it. I think it would catch triple, on. Triple E, Mike. Triple you think e. he's listening? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. <laughs> I would be. I'm sure you would. If I was him. Yeah. I'm sure you would. Yes. All right, we got a podcast to do. Should we do it? You ready to get to work? I'm ready. The sound of that tractor means it's time for us to go to work. Welcome to the Give Us the Dirt podcast, powered by Hoopie Grain and Company. I am Brandon. This is Bam Bam, and we are your hosts. <laughs> Jamin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, I'm going I'm to do my best uh, to, to do my intro here. So I wrote, this is the only part I write, okay? The rest of it, I try to wing it because I really want to be in here. But I, mm-hmm. I want to read my intro. It says, Javen Browning with the Browning Group is uh, broke into the industry at 18 years old, following in his older brother's footsteps. Don't let his age fool you because this young man has done a little bit of everything. He's had experience as a laborer, operator, surveyor, trainer, supervisor, truck driver, and now he is joint owner in the Browning Group. Did I get all that right? Yeah, I think that's all the titles I wear for now. That's awesome. Javen, well, welcome. Thank you for being with us today. We're excited to get to talk to you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for inviting me out. Look forward to having some good conversation. So is this uh, is this close to home for you? Yeah, about thirty minutes or so. Stay in the Concord area. Been there for five six years. So always around the the big boom and work area. So is that uh, is that where you grew up? Up in Concord? Uh, Kannapolis. Okay. Born and raised, and then stayed in Concord. Ventured Come, to Florida for a little closer. bit, but North Carolina has been home. So that's where all my construction experience has been. And you grew up in the business, didn't you? No, didn't grow up in it. Uh, oh, I thought your family had been in the business. No, all right. Oldest See? brother was in the yes, in the industry. Yep. Yeah, he uh, he started in the landscaping industry, moved into civil infrastructure work, and uh, I was eighteen and a half when I thought it was too late to get into the industry. 
And, uh, Too my, late to get in at 18? Yeah, 18 and a half. <laughs> I had a mindset. I was like, man, I missed the I window. missed my yeah. opportunity. I'm that un- ship has sailed already. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not marketable at 18. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I, it was a, a conversation I had with him. I said, man, I'm you know, 18 and a half. I think I missed the window of getting in. I'm going to be behind the curve. Don't know if it's worth it. And uh, he, he didn't laugh too hard at me. So lined up filling out an application, starting in the industry with him, and uh, been doing that for five and a half years now. With your brother? Yep. You had to fill out an application to get a job with your brother? Yeah, he was he was working for another civil contractor here in the area. Did he interview you? No, no, he okay. was uh, he was a foreman, so I didn't interview uh, with him. I went through the. I was gonna say that's a little process. that's a little much. Oh, okay. right. I think you put in a good word tough. for me. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be tough, wouldn't it? That would be tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be hard. So, well, so mm-hmm. what was the transition then for you into the the construction industry? Tell me about the creation of the Browning Group and when you decided to make that step, or was there was there a stop before that where you were doing some of these roles that we read earlier? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, oldest brother led the way 10 years in the industry. Uh, I followed in suit behind him as a laborer. Uh, we were together for about three years, then we got our middle brother into the industry, and uh, we all kind of stayed at the same companies, all on the same crew. So we had a, a good brother relationship working together. We all bonded. So there's a th- there's another brother. Yes, there's sir. three of you. See, our, our yeah. research department. <laughs> is that is that all of you? Is that have you got any more surprises? I I got a lot of surprises now. <laughs> yeah, they, but three, yeah. three brothers. There's three brothers. The, the parents are involved in the business, so we're a true family business. Got That's we got awesome. three dogs at the house. That they're part of the office division at the house, so they yeah. help us. They come there. to work every day. Oh yeah. They yeah. show up on time every morning as long as you pay them in, in food and treats. I actually go. like that. I yeah. think I think an open dog policy should be we don't have enough dogs here around the academy. No, no, absolutely not. It does make the office environment a, lot a little bit better. Dogs are better than than people in some certain situations. You know, I, I love dogs, so we need to have. What well, you know? What speaking of dogs, that was one thing that the research department found out about you. You you've you've got a love hate relationship with dogs. No hate, man. No hate. All love. There. It's all love. Yeah. But uh, yeah, had uh, two dog attacks. One when I was five. One when I was ten. Wow. So there's uh there was a chance to hate them, but man, I love dogs to death. Yeah. Just enjoy having them around. They're, you know, loyal. They show you a true love, man, and you carry that into the industry, you know. You just yeah. got to appreciate people and, and show them kindness just like a dog would, man. Even if you spank it, it comes right back. You got to discipline people, show them, you know, you can't do unsafe things. So, you know, I carry that with me. It's uh, yeah. it's an interesting conversation starter. It has scars on my arms that I carry, so leads into conversations with different guys through the industry. So that's a, a big thing you can't kind of hide from. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I don't that's that's pretty impressive that you were right. able to turn that into uh, a life lesson there. A story. A leadership leader, leadership model. lesson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's that's great. Yeah, well, that's so um did you uh did you work at you worked at Wayne Brothers? Yep. How long were you at Wayne Brothers? I was at Wayne Brothers for 2 years. Uh that's first industry at Company I started in the industry with, uh, learned a lot there. Started as a as a laborer, okay. learned how to do uh, layout as far as being a civil tech. Learned how to run equipment from there. Uh, stayed there and then wound up moving to uh, Fessler and Bowman, and uh, stayed there for a year and a half, two years. 
went to uh, Whitman Excavating, was there for about just out a year, just over a year, and uh, then been with the Browning Group since we started, and been doing this a year and a half for ourselves, building our own brand, building our own name. So how long on the Browning Group? A year and a half now? Yeah, we're right at a year and a half. I think as far as being incorporated two years in the industry. So tell me about the tell me about the idea for that. Tell me where that came from and, and what made you finally pull the trigger on that and say we're gonna do our own thing. Uh so we've we've carried a, a brother relationship, all three of us working together and uh we always got it done, even if it was just us three, we were the only ones on the crew. Uh, you know, learned a lot, loved the companies we worked for. But we finally said, man, if we're if we're doing this for other companies, we could do it for ourselves. You look in the industry, all the potential, the growth in it, and you go, why don't we do this for ourselves? There's a lot of risk, but there's so much reward here. Uh, so Jared uh, kind of spearheaded that, started doing a lot of research, looking into it, and uh, we started pushing through, getting all of our licenses and certifications and finally became incorporated and we all said we're all in we're uh we can do this we'll figure out our our spot in the industry and uh we want to grow you know and and one of the emails when we were setting this up we said i think uh hoopa said that we were a competitor but we'd still love to have you on the podcast man that that right there to us was just like in my head it was like man we're this small business but they still use the word competitor, competitor, and we're not even in the same like in the same wheelhouse. You guys have hundreds of people, and we have not even ten right now. And it's like that's our goal. We're you know we want to grow together in the industry with the other companies, but just to be in that same mentality of we're competitors. So we uh, we uh, got a lot of equipment coming in, a lot of great growth moving from residential into commercial. And uh, it's it's been a wild ride. You know, when you're in the industry for so many years as, as a laborer or layout or training, uh, being a foreman, there's so much there. But you don't realize what actually happens in the industry until you have a little bit of ownership and you see behind the scenes of even like as a foreman, when you're on a job site, you know, you're having to look ahead and plan ahead for two, three weeks, maybe a month at a time or even the next day. But as an owner or part owner even, is you're sitting here looking months ahead of what's actually happening. And then there's months ahead of that of the people that are buying the property and, and dreaming of these, the buildings, the concepts, the businesses that are going to go there. So it's just, it's been a real eye-opener. Is I knew this industry had so much growth potential and that it's multi-million dollars just right here around <clears throat> us of what's being built but you don't actually comprehend that until you get on the back end of it and see the the jobs that are going up for bid and how many companies are actually going after that work. That's impressive. That's yep. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So I want to I want to dive into that um, what you talked about there especially you guys setting up the company. But tell me mm-hmm. tell our listeners real quick mm-hmm. Browning group what what do you do? What what is what services do you provide? What's the scope of your business? Well, scope of business is uh, civil infrastructure. We do uh, dirt moving, grading, clearing, a little bit of demolition, uh, lots of underground utilities. That's kind of been uh, one of my favorite wheelhouses to get into. Um, but, you know, full scope, we're, we, uh, we're going to be turnkey. We want to be able to be on the site from start to finish. 
Uh, so that's the big goal. But, you know, everything that Hoopa does just on a smaller scale for now, but we're still competitors there. But, that's great. And, you know, there yeah. are days that we wish we were yeah. still doing it on a smaller <laughs> scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's, some, there's some joy in that, too. But it's it's fun at both levels, but it is different. And and you're experiencing mm-hmm. some of that now. You've got you got the whole family in the business. We met mom and dad. They're, they're in the lobby listening to you right now. You should tell them you love them. Yeah. Oh, I love both mom and dad. Yeah, I know they're listening. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. Can't do it without them. So okay. how did y'all divvy up responsibilities? You got three brothers coming in. You got mom and dad. How, did you sit down and say, all right, I'm going to handle this part. You handle this part. Yeah, there was uh, there was conversations, but everything just kind of naturally fell uh, in a family of five as everyone has their – their specialty and kind of what they're comfortable, their roles that they go in. Uh, so mom, Tracy, she's the majority owner of our business. We're a woman-owned minority business. Um, so that's something we've been working into, you know, capitalizing on. It helps getting some contracts. Um, Jared is, you know, he's been in the industry for a long time. He's built a lot of good relationships with general contractors and other companies that we've worked alongside. So he's done a lot with uh, our bidding and estimating side. Dad has financial and management backgrounds, so he's been been a big, tremendous help of helping us understand the financial aspect of when you're getting into this industry, you're dealing with a lot of money. You know, we know the field side a lot more. He knows the back end. And uh, then me and the middle brother, Luke, we, uh, we've taken up the field side, getting the work done, training the people, managing the jobs, tracking them. So... Everyone just naturally fell into the roles. There was no, oh man, we gotta, we gotta split this up. We don't know how to do this. Well, yeah, there's things you don't know how, but you just naturally gravitate towards. You know, here's someone's weakness. Here's someone's strong point. We'll, we'll all come together and we'll be a powerhouse of a force here. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I, that's good. What about, what about um, the, what's the next step for you? Hmm. There's so many next steps to take. Yeah. Uh, New ideas all the time right now. Yeah. yeah. That's a fun, exciting time. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, uh, we're sitting here talking about so many next steps of what's the next part of uh, the industry that we want to bring in. We already do a lot of grading and dirt work. We've done a lot of clearing work that we bring in. We do uh, a lot of utilities, not just for ourselves, but subcontracted other, under other companies. Um, continuing to grow that, adding adding in other crews to continue to grow that work and to expand into that field and seeing, seeing where the industry takes us because there's so many opportunities for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's when you're a small business, the, the world is your oyster. You know, you can look every morning and there's, there's a different part of the industry that you may want to get into. So it's just seeing what makes sense for us right now. You know, I can, I, I watch you talk about the business and I watch mm-hmm. you talk about the opportunities that you have. And I can just, I can tell physically your excitement and mm-hmm. how you are just, you, you enjoy doing this work. Mm-hmm. What was the biggest difference? You've been on both sides of the fence. You've been at a big company and now you're in a small family uh, business. What, what's been the biggest difference between the two for you? There's so many big differences. I think the key is when you go from a big business to a little one, you carry the relationships through that you have with general contractors. They still know you, but you're in your own business. But it's the it's the relationships that you have with the guys you work with. You you get to know them a little more. If you're at a massive company where there's hundreds of people, you may be on the same crew, but you have so many faces, you don't really know the people personally. 
the guys within your company and the contractors you work with is you learn to value those relationships more. You get to know them a little deeper and you, you build that bond. You build the trust in this industry. And you guys have probably seen it through the, the North Carolina and the Charlotte areas is how much building it is. There's so many things going on as far as projects and money being handed around, but it's a handful of the people that you're going to run into. You got to have that trust and that relationship with you where they know you, they know the work you do. They know the quality. They know you're not going to cut corners. They want you on their projects. It's the relationships. That was the biggest thing for me going from massive companies into a a small, at one point it was just the five of us together is you still carry the same relationships. You just got to build on that trust and that foundation that you put in with it. Um, that and uh, the the other big thing for me was the amount of hats you wear. Big companies, you have separate truck drivers, layout guys, operators are just operators, laborers are just laborers. When you're a small family-owned business starting out, you uh, you're all of them. That's you wear uh, you wear yep. all the hats. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Yep, mm-hmm. that's true. Is there one hat you like wearing more than others? Man, that changes week to week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Oh, man, I've I've always loved running equipment since I got into the industry. I think everyone does, but there's just something satisfying about you know seeing the work being done, knowing that you know, dude, so many kids. You're sitting in a sandbox playing with a little toy, and then now you go out to a job site, and you're running an eighty thousand pound track hoe, moving dirt, and it's something we take for granted. It's so cool. Where uh, we did a subdivision job, and uh, a grandfather kept bringing his grandson around, watching the equipment. And you just got to stop and take a minute to realize this little four-year-old is watching this massive equipment, not taking into account everything that goes into it. It's like the excitement he has is the excitement that we need to have in the industry for. It's like we're doing amazing things. It's really cool to you take just a job site with a massive piece of equipment, multiple pieces of equipment. And it's just like an ant farm, a beehive, just changing it. And then within a few months, you got buildings going off. And it's like, we get so caught up in the task day to day to not even appreciate how cool it is. You have people stopping by or driving by, taking photos, asking about the equipment, kids wanting to see the equipment running. And uh, you, you don't realize you're living out a lot of kids' childhood dreams, even your own. That's your next generation of uh, of equipment operators, you know. That, that's the way you got to look at it, you know. Uh, so w- once you broke into the industry, you realized this was it. This was what you wanted to do. Well, after about the first three months, the okay. first three months I was uh, I was oh. shoveling mud out of uh, storm manholes. <laughs> so yeah. there there was a little bit of doubt and hesitation there. Yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, but that, that made me appreciate it more. You know, when you uh, when you get into the industry, I worked for my oldest brother. He was my foreman. And uh, I thought it's just because he didn't like me. I got stuck doing all the hard work. But it you do all the physical labor, and it makes you appreciate being able to run equipment mm. to knowing, knowing all the groundwork that goes into it. But once I got into equipment and got comfortable with it, I knew this was this is the industry I'm meant to be in. This is where I'm at. That's this so is, cool, This Jay. is a long haul. Think, you know, and I, I, I listen to that, and I think about how many days do we go about our jobs, and we just forget about the fact that this is pretty freaking cool, what yeah. we do. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yes. And just to step back and to see that dance taking place out there on that job site yeah. and all that equipment and the dirt moving, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. And, Jamie, you're right. We need to be that kid. 
We need to go back to that kid, be that kid on that job site, just watching everything that's going on and 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 you know watching everything that's taking place and just soaking it all in and realizing how cool it is. We do. We you know we come to work, we get ready, we it's the daily routine, and we get in there and we we forget that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, forget it a lot. So, Javen, Rusty, I'm sorry, I'm gonna get it right at some point. Bam, bam. Good. I didn't give you a sign. No, <laughs> he's gonna punch me one of these days. And somebody, so I'm not a violent. You are, you are exactly who we, who this industry is trying to cater to right now. We are trying to find the Javens of the world, the people that look at this work and say, "Man, that's cool. I want to be a part of that. I enjoy being outside. I enjoy getting dirty sometimes. I enjoy watching a project go from." from nothing into something and knowing that I had a part in building that. That is exactly who we're trying to attract right now. What was it for you that that made you want to be a part? Why not why not go into pharmaceutical sales? Why why not go into IT or or be a YouTube influencer? Why 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 construction? You know, before I got into construction, I, I always thought I'd wind up in sales. Uh, you know, I'm a big talker. I'm not the best with my words, but I always thought, oh, man, it's really cool to be able to sell things. You know, people have a need. You want to be able to provide that need. So I was like, okay, I'll find something in sales to do. And I looked around and just, you know, I didn't want to go be like a mattress salesman, not a used car salesman. And uh, I had the opportunity as I got into the industry. It's like there's there's ways to be a, a salesperson in the industry while you're doing work. Um, people have needs to build to build apartments, homes, massive uh, warehouses, but it's it's the satisfaction of being able to see the work being done, knowing that your hands touched it, that you took just an empty lot and turned it into this vision. That was the most rewarding part to me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you, people, we use that word sales a lot. I don't think anybody likes a salesperson. Nobody, do you like to talk to a salesperson? No, I, I get a little aggravated with them. What about you, Bam Bam? Oh, I absolutely love talking to salespeople. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. You mess with them, don't you? Yes, a little bit, yes. But, you know, it's yeah. not sales. It's exactly what you talked about. It's building relationships and then helping to find people, uh, helping to find solutions to their problems. And if you can do that, then you're not really selling. Mm-hmm. You just, you have to, <laughs> why you <laughs> Well, me and my oldest brother, we got a saying. Uh, we wanted to turn it to the company motto, but we didn't think it'd be a good idea. Of, we want to be a part of. Uh, we want to be a part of your problem, but it's being a part of the the solution to their problems. Everybody in the industry has a problem, whether it's they need the work done, they need the money, they don't know how to make something work. We want to be a part of that problem. We're here to solve it. We have the expertise in the industries. You guys have a level of expertise of things that yep. your clients may not know you're going to be the solution to that problem. And that's just been the coolest thing. If there's so many different parts to it, whether it's underground utilities, um, demo and buildings, land clearing, grading, is those are solutions that a lot of people don't know about. And it's something we take for granted. And especially the, the younger people, people my age or whether they're 16, 17, not really knowing about the industry. The, the construction industry has such a, a negative stigmatism to it of, oh, blue collar, that's not for me. It's not rewarding. But there's so many so many parts to it, whether it's the quote-unquote sales aspect, being project manager, project engineer, or if you're doing something with your hands, 
there's a spot for everybody within this industry. Uh, that's been, it, it's, you guys have done an amazing job here at Hoopa of tapping into the, to the younger crowd. I've seen that and heard a lot of good stories coming through. And it's like the younger generation needs to be reached. We need to tell them that there are growth opportunities in the industry. It's not just your dad or your grandfather's trade anymore. Well, buddy, let me tell you what, that if they're going to listen to it coming from you a whole lot more than they listen to it coming from me and Bam Bam. I can promise you. So tell them that if, if there's somebody out there listening and they're 18 years old and they feel like they've missed their career opportunities like you, <laughs> like you did and the ship has sailed, um, what is it about the industry that you would you would tell them they need to consider before they just dismiss it? What is it you love about it? Man, what I love is I've been absolutely blessed in all the opportunities through the different companies that I've moved through of getting put into different, like I got put onto a pipe crew and I fell in love with doing underground utilities. I've seen guys come and go on our pipe crews that it was not for them. They started, I met them on their first day and they made it three months and they said, I don't like underground utilities. I want to try dirt work. Maybe that's the fit for them. Maybe that's not. If you find the right company, you can find a spot that works for you is I had it in my head of, man, you got to find this one part of the, of the industry to be in. And that's the only thing you're ever going to do. It's like, no, you can try different things in the industry. I've seen guys come out into the field. They work for three to six months and they say, this is good. It's a good opportunity. It's not for me. I want to be on the office side. I want to be on the, on the front end of it. Mm -hmm. And they find a fit there and that's where they're meant to be. So it's within the industry is there's position. Man, ask me if I thought in the civil industry that there was a spot to do podcasts. I would have laughed at you. I didn't think that was Well, that's exactly what Brian McManus did when I told him I wanted <laughs> to start a podcast. He yeah. laughed at me. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It's changed a lot. And we yeah. got to get that story out there. You know, it's, there's somebody out there listening to this podcast right now. It might be Mr. Jordan that's listening to it and say, how does somebody fall in love with underground utilities like what is it about utilities that you just love doing it's uh when i first started we were doing uh really deep utilities where we were 18 to 20 foot deep doing storm drain and uh sewer lines and, and tight city uh blocks going up the roads and it was even though you're doing the same thing every day is every morning you had a different set of challenges there was a different problem to figure out and there's a little bit of competitiveness in me that goes, okay, we did 140 foot yesterday. We got to do a little bit more than that. Let's, how can we do that? What's the step that you can take in yourself and as a crew to one up yourself from the day before? And it's like, it really gets you thinking. And that's something that I see in a lot of uh, laborers and operators coming into the field is being able to look two to three steps ahead is my brain can work that way sometimes sometimes of okay if we want to do better today than we did the day before we've got you know let's go ahead and get all the tools out let's go ahead someone needs to get here and go ahead and inspect the equipment and get it running get it warming up get your pipe ready it's the all these little things that add up it's not being react reactive it's being proactive and when when you're able to look ahead in that and go okay we can be top producing crew. There's room to grow. It's something so cool. Who who else can go home and say, yeah, 
I was 18 foot in the ground in a trench box having pipe come down and we put it in and we went 200 foot up the road. Like to most people, that doesn't sound cool to me. That was bragging rights. Yeah. That was just, it was so cool to me. Um, that is pretty cool. And to hear, you know, you, your competitor, you, you like to, you like a challenge. You like to have a goal out in front of you, but now you're also an owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so that's a different role, right? That's not just Javen anymore. Now you got to think about, I got these people out in this trench box with me. We got to, I got to think about, I got to think about the owner, the client. I got to think about um, my people. I got to think about their safety. I got to think. So it's so much more that goes into that, that uh, thought process. How many of, I, I can't imagine there's that your whole crew is younger than you. Is that the case? <laughs> I'm still the youngest. So you're what, 24? 24 years old. Wow. You Do you remember, Bam Bam, when you used to be able to say, I'm the youngest? Yes. Yes. And now I'm pretty sure I have shirts that are 24 years old. <laughs> yeah. I told Javen yeah. before we started recording, I said, there's a moment in time where like, I can remember looking around the room and being the young guy in the room. But then it's like it just happens. One yep. day you look Overnight. around and say, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm the old guy now. Yeah. But it I'm is I'm about cool. to get a discount on some coffee at a fast food restaurant. That's that's where I'm looking, staring down the barrel of. I don't want that. Hey, that's a, <laughs> uh, yeah, fast food restaurant sponsor. Yeah, right here. Yep. There you go. I like that hey, plug, Rusty. Yeah. Throw it out here. So you've got you've got men, women on your crews that are older than you. How do you lead people at 24 years old that have been in the business a long time? That's got to be tricky. Yeah, that was uh, that was a very big learning curve for me. Um, I had a lot of experience, always very involved since I since I got into the industry. Um, you know, when when your brother is your foreman and your boss is, you kind of pester him with questions at the house because you want to know more. You want to know what you're doing the day before, kind of the big scope of it. Um, when I first became a foreman, I was 21 years old and I had guys on my crew that were 10, 15, almost 20 years older than me, so almost twice my age. And uh, it's really difficult when you go, okay, I'm half your age, but humbly I know twice as much as you. How can I convey that? And the biggest thing, it's in the way you communicate to people, is there's not anything that I ask of the guys that I have not done. I'll ask them to do anything that I have done. If I'm going to ask them to shovel mud, it's because I've done it and I will do it right beside them. It's leading by example. Uh, everyone here in the industry, they pay attention. Everyone knows what's going on around them. You've got to be observant for your own safety, for the safety of others. But everyone kind of watches the way you work. They see that. If you're the first one to the job site in the mornings, if you're the hardest worker, if you're the last one to leave, they pay attention. And guys, if they respect you, they want to follow your example. So whether they're 18 and younger than you, or if they're 50 and just getting into the industry, or they've been in the industry 20, 30 years, is if you show them that you work hard and if you make a mistake and you're willing to own up to it, they'll respect you for it. And uh, that's you just got to lead by example in that. That's great advice. Yep. And that, that's the key word right there, respect. Go out and gain their respect first, and then you'll get their trust. Yep. And, and you know, you, it's, it's, it's cool because you're 24 and, and, and you're already, you know, that guy that shows up to the job site early and the, the leader that shows up early and, and blades up the roads after a after a rain. You you know, the the guys are 
and gals are showing up to work and you're out there blading up the roads. That that's you know, that's you know, getting it done so they can get it done. And and that's that's awesome. That's yeah, and you and you gotta have that mentality whether you're a part owner, whether you're a foreman or whether you're just an operator who takes pride in your work. It's okay. How what can I do that benefits everyone else around right. me? Is it showing up early to blade a road if you're on a pipe crew and it rained? Yeah. Do you, can you get the pumps out and go ahead and set them up 30 minutes early? And that way, when everyone else comes into work and it's seven o'clock and you're starting, you're not everyone sitting here waiting. You're ready to go. Yeah, we're all we're we're already winning the game. We're already winning at it. That's that's cool. Yeah. One of the cool things I like seeing is uh, in the industry is the introduction of all the new technology. You know, especially with the younger generation, you guys are accustomed to that. You like that, and it's attractive to to that next generation. We bring them in here, and we show them that, hey, we're running this equipment with GPS. We're flying these sites with drones. We're training on simulators. How have you seen that technology play into what you're doing, and, and is that something you get excited about? Man, I get I get real excited about it. Um, being a, a smaller business is we we see the the potential and the the helpfulness of technology. We've invested probably over a hundred thousand dollars in GPS equipment already. We have it on our track hoe, on our dozer. We have our rover system. Um, it, it's really underutilized in a lot of smaller businesses because it hurts to pay for it. But when you see the growth potential in it and how it helps you on these job sites of being able to just set up your, your GPS and knowing that your dozer is on grade because you've you've done your localization, you've set it up, is you save money in the long run and it helps guys learn too. You have so many people that come in and they have that, that technology mindset and they go, okay, well, I know how to do all this. Well, let me learn about GPS. I know how to use my phone. I know the math, but let me understand what this screen is saying. Uh, it's been under undertaught in ways uh, GPS, I think, can make some operators a little slack. You hit an auto button and you go. Other people, you pay attention to it. It helps you learn how to pull grade, how to pull slopes if you don't click the auto button. But there's so much growth potential in it that it's been been really phenomenal if you have the proper training beforehand and you continually grow guys in it. Um, then, like you said, drone technology, you know. I tried to get into that with our business. Did you? Didn't work too well with our drone. I found the uh, the side of a track hoe bucket with oh, it. Oh, you, you you wrecked the drone? <laughs> yeah. It was only about the fourth flight I had with it, too. Oh. Mm. That's an expensive lesson to learn, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So tell me, you flew it into the side of a piece of equipment? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I had this desire. I wanted to start, you know, doing flyover drone shots of our job sites to be able to show from start to finish. And, uh, you know, we were doing a utility ditch and they were backfilling. I said, man, I'm going to get a really cool shot. This may look good on Instagram, you know, flying through the ditch. You can see the pipe work and the dirt going in. And I didn't coordinate that well with my, my track operator. And he went to put the bucket oh. out, put some dirt in there. And my drone went about 50 foot sideways in three pieces. Mm. It was done. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Where, who gets that first call? Does that go to brother, mom, or dad? <laughs> about the drone being tore up well i i paid for the drone so i i just had to call myself and tell myself <laughs> bad news you just said, okay uh, all right so you didn't uh, have to tell anybody you just no. said i got to replace this drone yeah, yeah. But they found out in the in the business group chat when i told them that yeah, drone went sideways yeah yeah i i've never flown one do you i know i mean we've no, got I'm, some very skilled 
pilots just, in the company that do this all the time. But just a little fifty dollar. And I'm not good at that. I'll be honest with you, but uh, I, I do have a drone story where a buddy of mine uh, was trying to film a, a blast. He just bought. Uh, I think he paid like eight thousand, nine thousand dollars for it. It was for mine. They were filming a blast, and they flew the drone down to show the blast. And a piece of fly rock, first flight, piece of fly rock came out and struck the drone and destroyed it. Oh man! He had to make phone call on that one. He did not buy that one. So, yep, yep. So drones, yeah. I, y'all probably everybody should do everything they can to keep me away from flying anything, unless it's sitting in coach and the. In the airplane, I do think you know. it's cool seeing it, seeing these sights being flown. And, and I think that is that is a a, a, a nice perspective to see of of that you know that we're able to get into. And you you take that as I've even seen it in our industry of people bringing drone technology into surveying. Uh, I I probably won't be the one to do that. I I may may crash another drone, but that's the other part of using GPS is you can survey these sites, know your cut fill, your import export kind of how your sites balance. That's a great way to bring technology in. Hopefully that's something that we can utilize in the future. Probably get a certified drone pilot for that one. Yeah. Yeah. and I, I am so impressed, man. I, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how we can clone you. Yes, because absolutely. we need, we need about a hundred of you right now. So, uh, it's, it's impressive to see not just your knowledge of the business and the industry, but your passion for it. And that's, that's been inspiring to just get a glimpse into that right now. I know mom and dad are sitting out there very proud right now, listening to you. What is it, um, that think as the industry as a whole, what are you excited about and what makes you nervous? Hmm. Excited, man. For me personally in the industry, it's uh, it's just waking up and being able to enjoy everything, all the new challenges every morning. I'm excited. Um, something I wanted to do with our business and trying to figure out how to get into that is bringing the younger generation in, is how do you reach the kids in high school? Um, you know, a lot of places you got to be 18 to get into the industry, but it's never too early to start talking about it with them. Right. Uh, you know, when I was 18 and a half and I thought it's too late to get into the industry, you know, I even saw my brother in the industry and he didn't start when he was 18, but somehow I had that mindset. So it's how can we help the next generation to come in? How do we get there earlier? Yeah, you've got to get there. And does it start at high schools? I think it goes even before that. What can we do to get into middle schools to help start showing these kids that there's opportunities here? Well, and what's cool about what you just said, it you used the word we. What can we do? That's not, you know... For so long, I heard people that were they point fingers at the system, the school system, and, and the education system, and the government for not teaching this stuff. It's up to us. Yeah. It's up to us to get in there and do that. And uh, so I was, I'm glad you used the word. What can we do? It's not just the Browning Group. It's not just Hoopa. It's all of the businesses that are in the civil infrastructure industry. It's we're all here together. We all need people to grow. There's work that needs to be done that you need manpower for you got to go to the next generation and you can't just expect them to know what we know that's my thing is i have i have experiences in the industry that pam bam might and you might not the next generation doesn't have it so how do we share that with them well it's things like this using social media using podcasts getting into the high schools and the middle school showing like career days just going and talking to them it's 
everyone's got to participate to get the next be honest you, you're getting ready to start a podcast aren't you <laughs> is that what this is you're, you're leading into your own podcast the browning group live on it's on the wraps right now <laughs> uh man you got swag i was i was nervous that i was i was obnoxious with all this uh give us the dirt stuff on yeah, but man yeah. you you decked out too yeah man. y'all got your own swag you're ready yeah dude branding branding in this industry is it's very important to us all the guys wear the brown and group shirts got nice logos on them we take pride in our name yeah all of our equipment when you drive by you'll see you'll see logos on our equipment yeah you know yeah, that's absolutely yeah. you don't want to drive by a job site you know I'm, I'm on job sites and i drive by and i go man i don't know i don't know what contractor that is why don't they put a logo on there why are they hiding behind this little logo mm-hmm. man my guys, we, we got stickers made, and they're like kids putting stickers on the tracko, man. And we got some on the boom, the stick, oh, the counterweight, yeah. the door. Be proud of your brand. That's man. right. Yeah, that's one of the cool things about this industry. People do take pride in, in not just their work, but in their company. Bam Bam and I were talking about, you know, we see these stickers and these shirts mm-hmm. around. I, we walked into uh, an office and saw it on the, on the desktop screen so i that means a lot to me and and um it also makes me want to to do better each time and to keep this thing going that they take a sense of pride in this this podcast and that they're not uh, they're not thinking we're crazy that they enjoy it and they're really going to enjoy this episode i've enjoyed being able to talk to you today um was there anything that made you nervous or makes you nervous about the industry and where we're at If there is, it's not immediately coming to mind. I mean, there's there's general nerves of being a business owner in a in an industry that's ever changing day by day. Yeah. But the the work's gonna be there. It's just do you brand yourself? Do you take care of your employees to be able to be a part of the industry? Where's our growth path in it? That's what makes me nervous. But I know if, if you take care of people and you take pride in your work, I don't have anything to be nervous about with this industry. There's there's so much stability, so many growth paths here for everybody. I'm not too nervous about it. Spoken like a true seasoned yeah, leader, I, right I, there, Jalen. I think that's the hard sell right there, and that's what you that's what you have to get out to to these young folks that are in school, uh, the next generation of equipment operators. That's that's what you got to get out there. You know, this is it's here. It's not going anywhere. Uh, dirt's going to have to be moved. Buildings are going to have to be built. Buildings are going to have to be torn down. Utilities are going to have to be put in the ground, and we're going to have to have people to find out where to put them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, there's your sale right there. That's what – and I think that's what this generation wants to know, that, that they're going to be able to go somewhere, go to work, be comfortable, and they're going to have a job in 10, 15, 20 years from now. Yeah, no one, no one really knows all the the hard work and the civil infrastructure that goes into this. Like in the building we're sitting in now, all of the planning and the hard work that went into it, the underground utilities, the the guys that did the dirt work, yeah. pouring the concrete, the finishing, the putting the walls up, the lights that are here, the water and the water fountains out there. No one thinks about all the steps that go into it. Yep, just getting but, the equipment to site. Yeah, you know, just things like that. You know, that's that's one of the things that amazes me about this industry because riding by and, and you don't know anything about the industry it's it's oh well there's trucks and stuff out they don't, they don't think about how they got there 
You know, it's, it's those people driving those low boys, getting them on job sites. The logistics behind it. Uh, yep. Well, Javen, I know that uh, you've been gracious to us and given us some time. We've got to get you back out in that trench box. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing your story. It's an honor uh, to, to be able to talk to you. It's an honor to be able to call you a competitor. You know, We need more competitors like the Browning Group. You guys are looking at the industry the way that we need everybody to look at it. And you, you're looking at the people it, issue that we have the same way that we're trying to look at it. What can we do? And how can we be part of that solution? So I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the uh, for the family and to see what the Browning Group does and what you got out in front of you. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate y'all having me on, and I, I'm excited to be called a competitor of y'all's. But you know, the the best kind where we can work together and absolutely. grow together in the future, and hopefully we can uh, all come together and change the industry. That's how you move the needle. That's how you absolutely. move. Well, Javen, thank you so much. Appreciate you coming in. Absolutely, yeah, appreciate thanks, y'all having Jayden. me. Thank you for digging in with us on this episode of Give Us the Dirt, powered by HGC. If you liked what you heard, make sure you leave us a rating and a review and subscribe now on our Apple, Spotify, or YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. To share feedback or suggest our next guest, visit our website at giveusthedirtpodcast.com.